Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Melissa Meshke. She is the Economic Development Outreach Manager for the Institute for Business and Entrepreneurship at the University of Wisconsin. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to have you on today specifically because I read an article that you wrote. It was entitled Plain Language in Economic Development. And I thought, you know what, that's something that we probably need to talk about because economic development is confusing and has a lot of jargon. And we're always interacting with people that maybe don't understand what we're talking about. But before we get to that, let's talk about you specifically. Um, what exactly do you do as the economic development outreach manager? Yeah, this is actually a new position for UW system um, for the Institute. So I'm about eight or nine months in at this point, And really, I've been working on building and strengthening relationships with economic development organizations, as well as entrepreneurial support organizations all across the state of Wisconsin. Um, so kind of a big a big bite to take out of economic development covering the entire state um, has been challenging but very exciting as well gotcha you've been at this for about you know three quarters of a year so has most of it been zoom or are you doing in-person things or how does that work that's a great question. Um, I am just starting to get into in-person a little bit more. I have a couple things coming up at the end of the month, a few things in May, a few things in June. But when I started, it was still pretty hot with COVID. So I did mostly this, you know, video, phone calls, audio, um, which honestly has come a long way. You know, a lot of people have gotten way more used to doing digital and with a statewide position, it's going to be difficult to get everywhere in person. So it's nice that we have become a lot more comfortable with Zoom. Um, I'm a, a middle-aged millennial, so I love the virtual. I think it's really efficient. I think that we can get a lot accomplished, um, but there is still that really nice value that we hold with in-person activities. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to that a little bit more. There is something about being in person and that, you know, sort of immediacy of the whole thing. There's that the little chit chat that you do before you get down to business. There's that chit chat you do after you get down to business. You notice their mannerisms. And do you have any hints or tips, especially since you're you're probably reaching, you've probably been reaching out cold to a lot of um, people, a lot of different organizations. Do you have any tips to make the Zoom outreach uh, better, to connect with people better? I always say, I, you know, I don't have any concern reaching out to ask if somebody wants to have a meeting. I've been calling them virtual coffee. Um, so, you know, not a ton of commitment. Just really let me get to know you. Um, my previous position before I did this, I worked for the Small Business Development Center. I was the director of the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point location. Um, so I had done a lot of small business re uh, outreach and also had worked with a lot of the organizations there. Um, so naturally, I've been, I've been working pretty close with that region. 
and just, you know, because that's where my connections are. But I've definitely been doing a lot of cold reach out through LinkedIn. Um, someone pops on my profile and I see that they looked, I'll send them a connect. I'll ask to have a virtual coffee. Um, not afraid to pick up the phone. I, you know, generally I'm one of those people that you never know what a connection is going to get you. So if you take the time to do a virtual coffee, it might be a half an hour, 45 minutes out of your day, but I do find it very useful. And some really great things have come from those cold contacts, you know, or, or sort of like a warm intro where, you know, it was an email introduction from somebody else. And that is always a really nice way to get to know somebody as well. Um, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of just growing your network and seeing what those connections bring you. You know, you never really know what that one person might open up the door for. Right. So, I mean, how did you, this job that you have, how did you, you were at the SBDC, how did you get into this, this field, this industry? <laughs> That's, it's been an interesting road. I'll say that. I actually, I have a marketing degree with a business communication certificate. So my love and my passion was originally sparked with marketing, um, was always interested in small business. I grew up a farm kid, so I was very much involved with the uh, hiring, firing, payroll, you know, paying bills, all that kind of like back of the scenes, small business stuff, and originally had intentions to start my own small business. Now, a lot of things happened along the way, but that didn't end up happening. Um, I moved to Michigan with my husband uh, after, after college and ended up working for a myriad of businesses, both in the private sector and the public sector, and got really interested in small business development. I just wasn't the business owner myself. So um, when the job came open in uh, Wisconsin, we're both originally from here, so we wanted to move back to Wisconsin. And I just really love helping people. I have always wanted to help people avoid the mistakes that I have seen other small businesses make over the year, not only you know from growing up with a small business, but also the work that I did over in Michigan. Um, so, and I, I, you know, I'm generally a, a pretty friendly, approachable person. So I really like being able to have that human contact and, and be able to help. So when I got into the small business development center, I really love the small business part of it, but I really started getting interested in economic development. I started working on achieving my CFD. Um, so I've now completed all the classes I'm planning on testing this fall. So that's been an amazing process to really take, you know, marketing and small business development is one slice of economic development. There's a lot of pieces that we all deal with. And that's where that plain language certificate you mentioned really came into it, right? Because thinking about what is economic development, of course, there's the IEDC definition, right? But it's so much more than that. There's so many different pieces that all of us focus on. And when we think about plain language, how do we describe what we do in the first place? Because that can really lead to some nice opportunities, but it can also be a hindrance. You know, if we're not good at describing what we do at a very plain language level, simple level, it can be very complicated to get anything done. Sure. So let's let's talk about that and let's kind of start at the beginning. What is a plain language certificate and why is that even a thing? What does that entail? So plain language, unbeknownst to me, has actually been a thing for quite a while. There's actually legislation that was passed, I believe it was in 2010, um, to really make it so plain language is used in a lot of government communications and um, a lot of universities have adapted it. A lot of other organizations have picked up plain language because it helps people 
understand all at the same level. Um, everybody's coming in this from a different direction. So how do we make it, you know, how do we organize our thoughts? How do we um, identify our call to action effectively? How do we avoid putting in all that fluff, you know, <laughs> because we're all tempted to put in all of the information in one communication, especially with what we do with email now. Um, you know, we're tempted to just smash a whole bunch of stuff into it and in, in the process of doing that often lose people, right? They're like, well, is this message meant for me? What am I supposed to do as a as a result of this message? You know, where, what do I do with this information? If you're applying plain language techniques, you can really simplify what you're looking to do and make it a lot more clear. So people don't get lost along the way. So, I mean, is there more to it than maybe not describing things using their technical terms and using simple versions? Is this like writing for a, you know, fifth grader sort of thing? So it was interesting because when I took the certificate, I thought that was going to be a big part of it. I believe that you're supposed to write to, is it a, I want to say it's like a sixth grade level or something is the average uh, that you're supposed to write to. That is not actually what we talked about. It was more taking really complicated um, things and, and breaking it down in the communication and the way we communicate to make it more effective. Um, for me personally, coming from the university system, we love our alphabet soup. Uh, economic developers also love alphabet soup. Um, so I think I had an example in the blog that was like this really complicated, it was a whole bunch of like acronyms for things. And if you weren't in the space, you would have no idea what these things are, right? So um, we're just guilty of being really used to talking that language when sometimes we're communicating with people that have no idea what those acronyms are. And that's okay. You know, we, we shouldn't expect that everybody knows all of those acronyms by any means. Um, so removing acronyms, I think for me was a big highlight. Like anytime I send an email after taking this class, I'm, I'm really thinking about, okay, do they know what this is? If they do know what it is, is it even important to put in here, right? How can I focus my message more effectively? Um, and we also talked about organization a lot too. So using bullets, using, um, you know, the, uh, bold, bold in your, in your communication too, um, just to make sure that you're getting the message across clearly. That's interesting. You know, I've heard that you want to write at a fifth grade level, not because people read at a fifth grade level, but because they have the attention span of about, you know, a fifth grader and breaking up your communication into, like you said, bullet points, as opposed to writing very dense paragraphs or not using jargon or, or technical terms wherever possible. It, that does seem to have an impact, I think, when you, especially in, for someone like you who's in a position where they're out doing outreach to a number of different organizations and people who, like you said, have various levels of understanding and uh, comprehension, and they probably are in their own niches where they have their own abbreviations, their own acronyms that represent totally different things. So I can see how doing something like this would allow you to be better at your job, facilitate that outreach and, and um, you know, connecting in that way. What other tips do you have for connecting with people and interacting with them and not just on Zoom, but in, in any way for, for, any, for somebody who maybe looks at this and says, you know what, I'm really good when we get one-on-one. -on -one. When I, I can sit down with anybody and we can talk forever, but how do I make those initial contacts? How do I reach out to people? What would you say in those cases? 
So I would recommend a book that I recommend to any professional, no matter how old you are. Um, it is called How to Be a Power Connector by Judy Robinette. I read this book pretty young in my career. She's actually a Michigan author. So I was connected with her when I lived over there. And that book literally changed my life in the way that I network. And she does an awesome job of describing how it's really easy to let our network control us, right? Like we're contacted by so many people. We have so many connections when you think about it. I think just LinkedIn alone, I'm connected to over 2000 people. Like just those networks are so complicated. They're so complex and your networks can really eat up a lot of time without really focusing on what what you need out of it, right? But at the mm. same point, we think about six degrees of separation, which is now actually five because of the advent of the internet, five degrees of separation to really think about, I only need to contact five people to get whatever done I need done, right? It's pretty mind blowing, actually. <laughs> like, you know, and I think about my network. Um, I always give the example. I've got a friend that works in legislation over in DC. We think about five degrees of separation. She's probably only about three away from the president. Like that's pretty sure. powerful, right? So when right. we think about our network, I love analyzing it and making sure we're spending time with the appropriate people to get what we need. But at the same point, understanding that anybody we connect with can be a benefit. So, um, you know, for me, I, I love LinkedIn. I think there's a lot of power in LinkedIn. Judy talks about that a lot in her book as well. Um, I'm a LinkedIn, like I've been on it since the beginning. Uh, yeah, I've had it for probably what, 12, 13 years now. I've had it forever. Um, I love the developments that they've made in terms of, you know, the message length that you can send, the information you can put in your profile. It's really, really powerful. I've had several people reach out to me cold as well. You know, I saw your profile description and really interested in what you do and uh, would love to talk more. Right. Um, and that's really how we got connected was right, a, a cold exactly. LinkedIn message. So um, the power of LinkedIn, I think, is, is underestimated for, for a lot of people and especially when you're thinking about a position like mine that's statewide, Wisconsin has 72 counties. We have over 600 municipalities in the state of Wisconsin. You think about just the sheer amount of contacts. How do we be efficient too? You know, so I like to think about top down. You know, I started the big organizations where, you know, they might manage a, a 18 county region. Well, I want to start talking with them because if I manage to get a meeting with those people, I make... 18 contacts with just the county EDOs. Then you think about all the city people that might be there, you know, all of the uh, entrepreneurial service organizations that might be there. From my point, you know, as a statewide, like I have to figure out how to be efficient. So um, I like thinking about those larger organizations as well um, to really think about managing my time effectively. And if I communicate something with those higher up people, they'll in turn communicate with their network that, you know, I don't have to be making all those individual contacts then. And that can be a lot more efficient as well. Sure. I'd imagine that helps because they, you make contact with the, the larger organizations and they might introduce you then to the, or give you the opportunity to make contact with the lower level organizations. And when they, when that doesn't happen, you know, that your message is going to percolate out in that way. Um, how do you manage that? How do you manage having, you know, so many contacts and having so many organizations that you have to reach out to? 
So I'm old school. I actually physically have a binder of business cards. Um, in the age of COVID, that has become a lot more complicated because I'm not always sure. meeting these people in, in person. Um, there's one person that I've been doing a lot of work with. I've only physically met her once, but we probably have talked on the phone, over email two dozen times, you know, so I don't always have the physical business card anymore, which has made it a little bit more complicated for me. I do a lot of management through my uh, email newsletter. So making sure that that stays up to date and kind of skimming through that. Um, I do use Salesforce. So Salesforce helps me organize the contacts that I've had and kind of keep top of mind of the things that I was, I'm really working on at this moment and making sure I'm following up with people. Um, so Salesforce is a useful tool. Um, in addition to, we use constant contact for our email. Um, LinkedIn is always great too, because I find a lot of potential, I call them leads, right? Economic development is kind of a broad right. term. But for me, you know, oh, this person got this grant or this person made this contact. I've been wanting to talk to them. Let me reach out and, and see that. So I use my LinkedIn newsfeed to kind of organize um, the possibilities that might come on my plate. Obviously, I've got the stuff that I deal with day to day, but LinkedIn has been kind of a nice notifier, right? To sure. make sure that I'm keeping up to date with all of these people because I'm on their email newsletters. I follow them on Facebook. I follow them on LinkedIn. Um, you can't catch it all. <laughs> so um, I really like how I'll go back to that book again. She identifies the contacts and divides them up into the five, 10, 550 and 100 top contacts. So she really thinks about prioritizing your network. Who's going to get you the most, right? Um, I've got one contact that is absolutely in my top five. I've had so many opportunities come through my gate because of my relationship with her. Um, and that's been really impactful to my position um, in opening up a lot of doors. I've got plenty of people in that top 100 that are still definitely really important. You know, I'll get an email lead every once in a while. I'll see something in their newsletter. It is efficient to keep up to date with them. How I conversely communicate with them um, is a wide variety of, you know, us in our technology, right? We've got text messages, Facebook messages, LinkedIn messages, our newsletter, um, my LinkedIn posts, their LinkedIn posts. A lot of it is being done virtually at this time. Now, as we shift to in-person, um, I've got a couple events, like I said, coming up at the end of the month. I already have kind of like a running list in my mind. I need to make sure I reach out to you know, this person I've only communicated with virtually, I need to meet them in person. This person's going to have a table at the event I'm at. I definitely have to go meet them and, and shake their hand, right? Um, right? So when I go to events too, I, I really try to be strategic because we all can get lumped into just like hanging out with our friends <laughs> when there's a lot of opportunity. Okay, I know this person and they're standing in this um, this corner talking to this person I've been wanting to connect with. You go up and make some like awkward comment and get yourself into the circle. And that's a really nice way to open up doors as well. Right, exactly. I, that's what I've really missed going to conferences and uh, doing that. Not so much for the you know the actual presentations and the you know sit there and, and listen, but for that time in between when you know you're grabbing a cup of coffee and everybody's milling around. That's the value of those events, going and meeting people. It's just, oh, yeah, that, that's what I miss. And I'm sure lots of people miss that. But yeah, when you go to those, it's not about the, it's not about the actual conference. It's about that you're getting all of these people who have this interest or this professional need to be there in the same room. And 
making contact with them. In in How to Be a Power Connector, I've read it. It's been a while, but I've read it. Uh, she she's talked about. I think you, you it was what is it? It's five fifteen a hundred. Five fifteen a hundred, right? Yep. And you make contact with the five people every day. That's your your spouse and your best friend and those people. And then the 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 fifty you kind of reach out to maybe once a week or something. You you make contact with them. And then the hundred are are monthly or however. Do you feel like in this day and age wherein we have all these different communication mechanisms that that is still applicable? Or is it a little different? Is it a little looser now or a little easier maybe even? Yeah. And I've told people I really have adjusted that to the 50 um, I try to connect with every month and then the 100 Mm. every quarter. Um, And the reason being is because we're posting on LinkedIn and they're liking our posts. They're seeing our newsletter come through. We're having additional contacts that... um, Yes, a lot of them are virtual at this point. Um, and I don't know how much of that will shift back long term. You know, uh, I think there's still a great value to a lot of virtual connection as well. And, and I do see that sticking around. Um, but I have shifted it. You know, the once a week is a little bit intense. I even think of my top my top five. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it's probably about once a week besides like my husband, you know, right. um, but my top business contacts, if I think about those, you know, if I go a week or two without contacting, I think that's okay. We just have to sure. be conscious of making sure that we're staying on top of conversations. Um, in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of deadlines that float around with grants available or with projects, um, you know, different funding opportunities that we really have to be conscious of because they're coming and going so quickly right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that it's going to be interesting as we move into this post-COVID time and sort of refigure out how everything works. I think it was a maybe maybe it was a, almost a decade ago that I went to my high school reunion. I don't remember. I don't know which one it was, but it was about a decade ago. So we're probably about time for another. But I were it at that time everybody was hot and heavy on Facebook, and I was really looking forward to it. And then I when I was there. It was sort of anticlimactic for me because, you know, there were a lot of people that I hadn't seen in, you know, a decade or, or more, and yet I had seen them yesterday and I had liked the picture of their kid or, or you know, whatever their crazy thing was. And everybody pretty much knew what was going on in my life and I kind of knew what was going on in their life. And so, and then it was like, well... You know, I guess there's no, there's no reason to be here. You know, we don't, we don't, we already know everything. And so, but that was interesting. I, I felt like that was a real change in, um, in our minds. And I think coming out of COVID, we're going to definitely be in this place wherein, you know, a, a text chain or, uh, you know, uh, uh, some messages on LinkedIn or on Facebook or whatever, that seems like that's really going to replace a lot of this communication and in-person things that we used to have to do. And, and, the other thing, I think, you have a statewide position, so you deal with a lot of people. And I, you know, I have this podcast and a, and a newsletter, and I have readers and listeners all over the world, and you know, all over the country, but all over the world to, to some degree. And I can have close relationships with them. You know, I've we can be close, and we can you know keep track, and it it takes time. You know, it's like anything; you don't become best friends overnight, but. You know, you interact and and you share, and occasionally, sort of private things come up. You know, your 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 kid is sick or or whatever, and that sort of comes up slowly over time. And it's just like anything, you know. It's just it's just being authentic and being real and just being open to that. And I and I think 
your your article about being clear, you know, just fits right into that. It fits into this idea that if we just are straight and we're not using jargon and we are um, clearly enunciating, you know, what we're saying and what we're doing and why we're doing it, everybody, everything's better. Everything's better. Yeah. And relationships certainly have have changed interesting enough. You know, like I said, we lived in Michigan. We were there for about five years and now we're almost five years out. And we went to a wedding there in January and we saw some of our friends that I haven't seen since we moved. And it was like, you know, things didn't really change. Like, you know, we had two kids, they had a kid, they moved, we moved. Like it was a whole lot of updates, but you didn't spend so much time like, oh, what have you been up to lately? You know, it's just a different type of conversation. And I feel like in economic development, we're actually more efficient as a result, right? Because yes. this top contact that I've, I've talked about before, I'm seeing her at one of these events at the end of the month. Well, her and I text and email and have video calls and I see her a lot. So when I meet with her in person, like, hey, remember that one idea we had to have this mind map? Let's let's do this, right? And we, we spend time networking and talking about that instead of, you know, catching up for old time's sake, right? So I find communication actually a lot more efficient. Um, But like I said, I'm totally a millennial. I'm like, you know, new school. I I don't talk on the phone a lot. If I'm going to talk to somebody, I want it to either be video or over text message. Like I'm totally that person. So I love the digital communication. I think it builds a lot of camaraderie, a lot of trust um, that, you know, it would take, it would take extra time when you go to these networking events to, like download what you've been doing the last, in this case, two and a half years, we don't have to do that. And we can be more efficient. We can be more brainstormy and have a lot more, you know, great conversations that we might've not had, had we spent time like making awkward small talk, you know, we can, we can just jump right stuff. Right. And, and I, and I think probably the addition is we have video and so we know what people look like. You know, yeah. what did they do in the old days when people just had business cards and, and how did they find the people that they were looking for? So I have no idea, but. <laughs> the funny thing though, is about video. Um, I'm six foot. So I have met people in person that I've only seen virtually. And they're like, man, you're tall. <laughs> it's it's right. the one thing that you can't get past <laughs> on video. So it's, it's some of the people that I have met, it's just been funny. You know, after this, I've worked with them for the better part of two years and we've never met in person. I'm just like, man, you're really tall. (laughs) Interesting. Oh my. Well, Hey, uh, Melissa, this has been excellent. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you? We'd love to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me by the the name that'll be on the podcast, Melissa Meshke. Um, you can uh, reach out to me probably the best there. My email's kind of long, so say, saying it on a podcast probably won't do a whole lot of help. So no I would problem. recommend LinkedIn. It's going to be the best. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that we get to run into each other one of these days. But if not, let's keep in touch virtually. Sounds great. I will do the same. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.